If you're trying to get pregnant or you are pregnant and you feel a little bit overwhelmed by all you need to know, then this is the right podcast for you. Welcome to the show. I'm Bridget Maloney. And I'm obstetrician Dr. Patrick Maloney. And this is The Kick, your expert-led podcast that delivers the essentials of growing a baby. Make sure you head to our website, growmybaby.com.au, to get some awesome free tools like our Pregnancy Knowledge Checker to help you feel like you got this. Okay, welcome back, everybody. This is episode 32 of the Kick Pregnancy Podcast, and we're still in coronavirus shutdown. Ooh. <laughs> uh, we're still homeschooling for boys. So we're here in the studio uh, recording our... Um, uh, our uh, podcast and we're allowed in here because it's just the two of us and we're yeah. married so that's all right yeah that's okay and part of it is escaping the fact that we're homeschooling four boys yeah but so that's been a challenge hasn't <laughs> it's it it's been such a challenge i'm learning a lot though i know what a, a digraph is and a trigraph and yes. yeah I, I know a lot more about our world even i'm not sure as someone who already knows how to read i'm not sure that i needed to know all, all <laughs> that but Certainly seems to help the kids. Yeah. My hat's off to teachers. I don't know I don't know how they do it. I honestly don't know how they do it. Absolutely. I saw something the other day on the internet. It was Adam Sandler singing a song about about homeschooling. <laughs> and he said, I'm teaching my kids maths and that can't be good for America. <laughs> So I think everyone feels like that. Yeah, yeah. Thank God the older boys sort of go off and do their own thing. But it's just the six and the seven-year-old which are challenging. That's, that is true Yeah. in, in general. I've got uh, a need to hear a, uh, a review. Well, I have a good one, Pat. I, they're all good. I love them all. So this one actually came through on our DMs on our Instagram. And I love it. People take time. You know, you can't leave a review on Spotify, so... Most of our listeners are on Spotify, so they, they come over to our Instagram and leave a review. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. You're learning things, aren't you? God it's a bit them. like school. Well, we're homeschooling. So, hi, Dr. Pat and Bridget. Just wanted to touch base and say thanks for such a great podcast. Having a doctor husband and being a healthcare worker myself, I feel I can relate so much to you, but also the medical side of pregnancy and birth. But what I also love is the kindness, compassion and understanding along with the use of everyday language. Not only has your podcast been incredibly educational and helpful, it's also been enjoyable. Thanks again for such great information on a humanly level. Take care and stay safe in these uncertain times. Oh, how wonderful. With kisses. Nice. People are so generous. Well, that's what we're doing here, isn't it? Trying to help, you know, do, do something like that to make people feel yeah. a, a bit more like they're not alone. That's it. So, short and cervix, it's a very, very stressful time. Yeah, people have often read a bit about this um, when they come into pregnancy. It's the sort of thing that you might read as someone's pregnancy story about their, their problems with short and cervix. And it can be serious. It's often not. Mm. But it does require a great deal of um, surveillance and, and thinking about it. And it, it's a relatively common complication of pregnancy. Yeah. And it's got one of those outdated medical terms that people might know it as. Oh, yes. We've moved on from that. Yes. Yeah. So it's not, no, we shouldn't be calling it incompetent oh, cervix incompetence anymore. Yeah. So the, the incompetent is one of those awful dated medical terms that mm. makes it sound like it's your fault. Yeah. So it's insufficient cervix. But even, I don't love insufficient either. I'd much prefer to hear shortened cervix. Yeah, maybe. I think I don't think they're all shortened, though. That's the problem. Ah, oh, right. Um, so you, you, there are some people who've got a genuinely sort of 
the tissue of the cervix is weak and it might look fine on ultrasound but it doesn't work properly. Yeah, right. So um, cervical insufficiency is probably the closest we've got to a correct term at the moment. Yeah. All right, so we've we've skirted around it. It's um, slightly weaker tissue but what, what are, what's the actual definition of it? What What is a shortened cervix? Yeah, so it's a shortened cervix is an ultrasound finding. Right. Okay, so... Uh, a lot of the time if we're doing scanning in early pregnancy, in particular a nice scan at that 12 to 13-week mark, yep. and again at the 20-week scan, mm. um, then a good scan will measure this, the length of the cervix. Um, and uh, if it seems to be quite short on, all, on either of those, then it does put that woman in a risk group where the cervix may actually come open too soon. Yeah. And the absolute textbook... Um, labour that someone might have in it with true cervical insufficiency is a relatively painless second trimester labour where the cervix kind of springs open, oh, right. baby comes out too early to survive. Yeah, right. And uh, we still see that from time to time because, of course, if it happens in your first pregnancy, we can't really effectively predict it. In your second and subsequent. Uh, no, no. If it, if if, oh, if sorry, it's your if it first, first pregnancy yeah, and you, yeah. you you have no previous yeah. experience, then the first one it might catch us off guard, and um, we might not be able to do all our special things with extra ultrasounds and stitches in the cervix and so forth mm-hmm. until a second and subsequent pregnancy on someone who we know is at high risk. All right, but for that first pregnancy, they go in at twelve weeks mm. and have your scan. And how long should your cervix be, or how should it look? Well, it should be about four centimetres long. Right. And there's no anatomical difference between women if they're tall or short or... No, not really. Not yeah. really. The, the, one of the groups um, of women who would be particularly interested in, the, in those early phases would be someone who's had a lot of surgery on the cervix before. Yeah, right. Okay. In particular, we get interested in, in people who've had a number of those LETS procedures for the treatment of significantly abnormal cervical screening. So mm. pap smear, what we used to call pap smear abnormalities. Mm. So, you know, if you've had one of those LETS procedures, it doesn't change the function of the cervix in a subsequent pregnancy very much. But if you've had two or more, it, it, it can. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, so you know, that, that person in particular, we might be making sure on that early scan that, yep, there's the cervix, four centimetres long, looking good. Yeah. And how is it measured? You said by ultrasound, but what happens there? Yeah, well, this is the trick, right? It, it, it's, it has to be done in a, in a careful way and ideally the same way every mm. time it's looked at. Mm. By the same practitioner? That's the best. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, so if you're following the length of a woman's cervix throughout the pregnancy, the ideal thing is to send them to the same ultrasound practitioner every time because that person's going to do it the same every time mm. as the, their habit and you, you're comparing apples with apples one scan to the next. Mm. The cervix is a surprisingly dynamic organ mm. and if you're if you push on it hard with the ultrasound probe, you can make anyone's cervix look a little bit different to how it naturally sits. Mm. And you might be able to make even a ter- perfectly normal one look long or short. Mm. So if we use the same technique every time, a look, vagi- look on vaginal ultrasound and look on abdominal ultrasound, with the same amount of pressure on the probe and the probe in exactly the same position every time, then we can start saying, okay, uh, the, a change from week. 16 to week 18 is significant. Mm. Can I just ask to clarify, so this isn't the ultrasound transducer head or whatever it's called on the abdomen, this is the 
vaginal probe? Both. Yeah, both. You both. do both. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. In a 12-week ultrasound, do you have both? Normally? Um, no, but you would go on to do the vaginal bit if the cervix looked too short. All right. So if you suspect it from doing mm. the abdominal one, that's when you'd have the, the transvaginal probe. That's called? right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm learning something. Well, <laughs> so the, the whole idea, of course, is, is to, to try and pick up someone who might have an issue. Yeah. And then put that person into what's called cervical surveillance. Yeah. So that's a program of doing more scans to see, you know, if it's three, if it's two and a half centimetres, does it stay two and a half or, or is it progressively shorter? Mm. Yeah. And we might all also start that woman on some vaginal progesterone pessaries. Right. And these are little tablets to go in the vagina that have been shown to help stabilise the cervix. Yeah. How interesting. They're like, they, they used to call them the footballs or something. Yeah, little pessaries that use, commonly used as part of IVF treatment and various other things, and they can help stabilise the cervix. Yeah, yeah cool. Mm. All right, so can you do anything else? Like, I know our friend was told bed rest for a little bit. What do you think about bed rest? Yeah, the, the jury's out on, on bed rest. There were a lot of times over the history of, of obstetrics and the history of, I think, medicine and surgery in general where bed where bed rest was a lot more popular than it is now. Mm. And once upon a time, it might have been one of the very few actual things that they had to offer. Mm. But we know that that it's not a harmless thing to do, to tell a pregnant woman to have bed rest. Mm. Because, you know, pregnancy is a, is a clotty, can, is a clotty mm. time. Mm. And you're more likely to get a blood clot in your leg that could go to your lungs. Serious stuff. And that's more likely if you spend all day in bed. Yeah. So... We can't recommend bed rest to people anymore unless we're very confident that the bed rest isn't more dangerous than the condition we're trying to avoid. Yeah. So uh, a lot of these things now, we're seriously rethinking the value of bed rest. Mm. And if you're diagnosed at 12 weeks, who wants to spend the next 28 in bed? Well, nobody Uh, (laughs) wants to. Absolutely nobody wants to. Mm. And there are are fewer conditions now where it's thought to be a good idea than 30 years ago. Yeah. Mm. And so for someone that's got that very early sort of cervical surveillance, are they changing anything about their habits? Like do they have to exercise less or...? Yeah, so there are some sensible things that people might do. It seems likely that vigorous exercise might not be great. Mm. Penetrative intercourse might not be great. Mm. Um, and um, so people will often uh, often you know wind those things down while at least while they're in a phase where we're trying to work out whether the issue with the cervix is a, a genuine problem or not. Mm. I'm thinking, what about constipation or something like that? Yeah. Look, it's possible. So, so keeping um, a good bowel habit in pregnancy is a good idea for everybody. Mm. But it may be that if you're pushing for a long time on the toilet, that that might make make things worse. Mm. It's also possible that that's that that's not relevant, and all we're dealing with is the internal strength of the cervix, which is what it is. Yeah. Mm. And can you do things like pelvic floor exercises, or is there any sort of way that you can strengthen muscles around the cervix? No, some women with a with weak muscles in the with a weak um, smooth. This is the smooth muscle, yeah. right? This is like your heart. Yes, yeah, you so. <laughs> it's not skeletal muscle that we mm. can exercise. So the problem might be just something we were born with. Mm. So the issue is trying to work out who's got the genuine problem mm. and who's got a, an ultrasound appearance where the cervix looks a little short, yeah. but there's really very low risk of a problem. Yeah. And for the high-risk group, then we talk about putting the stitch in the cervix. So is that while you're pregnant? 
Yeah, it's often done while you're pregnant. Okay. Now, there's a scenario where it can be done beforehand. Mm. But let's look at the stitch that goes in while you're pregnant. So we might have somebody who on an early ultrasound has a very short cervix. Mm. So or, what's very short in your opinion? Look, that's a little technical, probably yeah. varies between units. Mm. But one common scenario would be that someone on a on a 12 or 13 week scan has a short cervix. She's put into cervical surveillance program at that hospital or through her obstetrician and despite progesterone supplementation it's getting shorter Mm. okay then that's somebody would be very interested in Mm. and then uh, so the so the woman's already pregnant we're really worried about the state of the cervix so we might do an operation to stitch the cervix closed before it gets worse Mm. or before it starts to not only shorten but actually come open Mm. And that's an operation that's done under a general or spinal anaesthetic. And the skin around the top of the, around the cervix is opened up. Stitches put around it. Like a big loop. Like Pat's, a big loop. Pat's doing this um, loop sort I'm, of. I'm doing a loop. You can't <laughs> you see can't that. You can't see that, no. And then the, and a tie knot. Mm. And then close the skin of the cervix over the top of the knot. So How that, does that not like cut off the circulation to the cervix? Well, you're not supposed to put it in very tight. Ah, right. You're not trying to squish the cervix closed. closed yeah. You're just trying to stop it open. Yeah. In, stop it opening more. Mm. Yeah. So it shouldn't be done with a lot of tension. Mm. How many times have you Googled something about your pregnancy? When I was pregnant all the time, Dr. Pat. <laughs> yeah, we get it. You may be confused or overwhelmed. It's normal to want information, but where's the reliable stuff from experts? Yeah. Now, if you like our podcast, Dr. Pat and I have developed an online program to help guide you through whatever stage of pregnancy you're at. It's taken us literally two years to put it together. Two long, hard years, wasn't it? (laughs) But, you know, it is a game changer in how pregnancy information is given. Now, how it works is you get to sign up at whatever stage of pregnancy you're at. Like, so you could be pre-pregnant in your very early stages of pregnancy, late pregnancy, preparing for birth, or maybe you've just brought your baby home and you get lots of information around that. And then you also get to join our closed Facebook group. So we'll have some Q&As and some lives happening in there. So we really get to interact with you. We've called in all our contacts too. So we've got a dietitian, an anaesthetist, physiotherapist. Sonographer. Yeah, who else? Uh, Pediatric nurse, obstetrician, mother of four. Oh, just all the people you need to hear from. So if that's you, come and join us at www.growmybaby.com.au. See you in the course. I remember in my first pregnancy, I... I was diagnosed with potential, back in those days, incompetent cervix. Yep. And so I was on the, I must have gone into the surveillance group. <laughs> and I only stayed in there for a little while because nothing changed. Yeah. So maybe the length changed, uh, stayed the same the whole time. Absolutely. But even in my first pregnancy, my cervix was a little bit dilated already. Yeah, that that's sometimes just the way the cervix is sitting. Yeah. And some people, it just sits a, a little tiny bit open. Yeah. But it's still nice and strong. Yeah. Yeah. And if you've had a few babies before, just about everybody's cervix is a little bit open. Right. Yeah. But that doesn't sort of represent its strength. Yeah. When you're in su- cervical surveillance, you don't have to stay there forever. No. Because if you keep returning normal results, then it's less and less likely that you've got a, a serious problem. Yeah. And also... You're going to reach a point in the pregnancy where, let's say, for argument's sake, it's 28 weeks, where the risk of putting a stitch in is going to be worse than the risk of having a baby. Yeah, right. So what are the risks of putting a stitch in? 
Well, when we put a stitch in early, it's got some risks. Absolutely. Yeah. There's the risks of any operation, the anesthetic, infection, bleeding. But the worst thing that can happen is we can accidentally puncture the membranes. Oh, right. And, and precipitate labour. Yeah. 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 Sort of put a hole in the wall. Put a hole in the membranes, let infection in or the water out. Yeah, right. Not common, but it is, it is a risk. So up until what time, what um, stage of pregnancy would you put a cervical stitch in? Yeah, a little complicated again. Okay. <laughs> too, too, too variable on the... Case by case. Case by case, yeah. yeah. Okay. So then somebody goes into labour. What happens to that stitch? Well, if you put the stitch in, it works really great and a woman gets right out to well into the third trimester, everybody's happy, then we can book a procedure in theatre to take it out again. Right. Okay. Yeah. So you do that before she goes into labour? Oh, yeah, ideally. Yeah. Um, so if we're right out at about 37, 38 weeks and we've done our job, everybody's happy, mm. then yeah, you can just book a procedure, take it out again. Mm. And one of two things will happen. Sometimes it'll spring open pretty fast. Yeah, you know, right. If, if there was genuine insufficiency and the stitch was doing all the work and you take that out, then she might labour very quickly. Yeah. And sometimes you take the stitch out and it all stays closed and it's hard to know what to make of that. Yeah. But that woman will just go on to labour in the usual way. Yeah. Yeah. If the woman was having a planned caesarean section, then you can just do the Caesar and then go around vaginally and take the stitch out. Yeah. Okay. Under the same anaesthetic. All right, so we've talked about somebody who's gone through perhaps and it's been uh, detected at 12 weeks that they needed a stitch put in or whatever it might have been. Is there anything you can do even before you get pregnant if you have, you know, suspected to have uh, shortened cervix? Yeah, there are some people who have a stitch put in even before they're pregnant. And it's a research area, but it's in common clinical practice at the moment, it's people who've had a stitch put in vaginally that didn't work. Right. And uh, those women will often have a special type of stitch put in before another pregnancy. So, and if you approach that, the cervix from above with a, with a laparoscope, these used to be done as open operations, but these days some of us are doing those laparoscopically. Uh, you can put a stitch in by approaching from above that's um, much higher on the cervix, and we're hoping to, to, to see better results. Mm. From, from those. So, so it's a slightly more complex operation and it puts the stitch in a difficult place to get it out again. Yeah. So if that woman is uh, in that situation and we put in a laparoscopic cervical cerclage before she's pregnant, she goes on to get pregnant, but she has to have that baby by cesarean section. Yeah. And usually we just leave that stitch in there. Yeah. And I know you you have been doing that for a, a couple of years now and, and I, I remember the first... Well, not the first, but one patient. It was because she'd had a couple of, like, 20-week losses. Yes, and, yeah. and but but in particular, it's someone who's had some some second trimester losses that, including one that where the, the vaginal stitch didn't work. Yes, right. Okay, and rather than just do the same thing again, yeah, it's well worth looking at a laparoscopic um, uh, a stitch, and um, it's more complicated, but certainly there's been some terrific successes. Yeah, and there's really not that many people that do the laparoscopic cervical stitches. No, there? you have to find someone who's got those those skills. There aren't that many. There aren't that many patients that need it. Yes, and so there aren't that many people skilled in it. But people would be able to find somebody who could do that. Yeah. Mm. Good. Yeah, well, it's, it's. I mean, gosh, that's the thing, isn't it? it? It's the pressure. So someone's been diagnosed with a shortened cervix or insufficient cervix. That whole pregnancy has that as the big black umbrella 
above, uh, doesn't it? That's absolutely right, mm. yeah. And that, there's that feeling that something might go wrong at any moment that mm. people find it tough to deal with, mm. yeah. So, Patty, is there anything else somebody could be doing if they've maybe gone into labour or something because of an insufficient cervix? Well, yes, it's an, it's an unusual situation, but occasionally um, we'll see somebody with in the early stages of a second trimester labour mm. where they've come to the hospital, the cervix is clearly opening. And when we do a speculum examination, we can see the cervix partially open with some membranes bulging through mm. and maybe a fetal foot or something trying to stick yeah. through the cervix. And there is a sort of a Hail Mary procedure that can be done in that situation where we operate, poke the membranes back in and stitch the, try and stitch the cervix closed. Oh, how successful is that? N- not often not successful, often. yeah. Once the mechanism of, of labour is underway, it's hard to stop it, mm. yeah. But that's called a rescue circlage and it's possible. Mm. An attempt at that is considered a lot better than nothing mm. and um, sometimes sometimes it works. Yeah, and, and that's, say somebody's 30 weeks, it's for sort of like that 20 to 30 week? Uh, no, it's very specifically, it's for before 24, 25. See, if you were 30 weeks, you, you wouldn't be bothered. You'd be much better off having that baby. Yes. Rather than trying to stitch it in. Yeah. And uh, give that woman some antenatal steroids to improve the baby's lungs. Yeah. Have the baby and say, Deal with the prematurity, yeah. Get the paediatricians to, to do their magic and deal yep. with the prematurity. No, this is for a baby that's trying to come out pre-viable. So, so, yeah. so before 24, mm. when the only alternative is a loss of that pregnancy, mm. then we'd give it a go. Yeah. Mm. I didn't mention at the start, but, you know, another reason why we decided to do a shortened cervix podcast is because we did have somebody ask us on DM saying that, you know, she's very early on in her pregnancy, but it's a something that is just keeping her awake at night. It's just something she's very fearful of. Yes. And I, su- I suppose what we've talked about is that at 12 weeks, you'll get assessed. And the biggest key is to have that cervical surveillance being that be in that part of the unit. Yeah. I can't remember whether the person who contacted about us about that had any spe- special risk factors herself. Yeah. But let's say she didn't, then then this is actually one of the lesser likely things to happen yeah. in a pregnancy. So today we've talked about the sort of cold hard facts about how, how that's managed. Mm. But, you know, mostly cervix is fine. Yeah. Does its job perfectly well. Yeah. And, and doesn't come open until it's supposed to at the end. Yep. Yep. That's right. We are amazing beings, aren't we? You know? That's it. We're set up anatomically to support pregnancy. That's right. All right, everyone. Well, I hope that's been helpful. We will see you next week. Thank you so much for listening. We are very grateful for all the listeners, for all our reviews. If you like, you can pop over and give us a five-star review on um, iTunes or just send us a DM. Tell us uh, what you like hearing about. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye for now. Bye for now.